Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirituality and Magic Podcast. I'm your host, once again, Hunter Salazar, and today we are going to be covering Drawing Down the Spirits, the Traditions and Techniques of Spirit Possession by Kinaz Falan and Raven Caldera. So Kinaz Falan, uh, he made the um, you know Handbook of Writing with Aloha that I learned so much from. Uh, he's he really explained voodoo in a very easy way to understand, but also a very practical and informative way to work with the loa. Um, and he he kind of he kind of specifies the uh, um, Haitian voodoo rather than um, the diaspora that came after. But uh, Raven Caldera is all Raven Caldera on the other hand is also a um, he's a northern shaman. He's a he's a shaman that follows the northern path, which means that he works with um, beings like the Jotun, the Aesir. Uh, he works in the Nordic system, so you have somebody who who knows quite a bit about uh, the Loa and working with the Loa that come that you know is rooted in African spirituality, and then you have Raven Caldera who's rooted in uh, northern shamanism. Northern shamanism usually means around the area of Finland, Norway, Sweden, uh, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England. Around that area is usually what we consider as northern shamanism. But um, northern shamanism can also be Russian and Slavic. But uh, yeah, so you have these two authors from two different, com- completely different spiritual systems working together to make this book, put together this book. Now, they've actually compiled quite a few quotes and passages from other authors that have really great things to say, very informative informative things to say, uh, and a lot of personal gnosis, things that you won't necessarily find in other books, but a lot of personal gnosis that's very useful. So um, I've decided to go ahead and start on page, uh, page 80, and the title of this chapter is called Different Writers, Comparing and Contrasting. To compare and contrast the actual possession experience from the inside and the outside between the African diaspora, uh, diaspora context and the modern neo-pagan context is something that can still be done only tentatively with great caution. When scholars have written about the Afro-Caribbean possession phenomenon, they tend to be so caught up with the unusual, to them, behaviors of the horses, or in searching for a mental health or social delusion uh, paradigm to fit around it, that they rarely give good objective descriptions about such things as length of time and effect on the horse later the horse being the human individual in this case. Uh, Modern pagans watching pagan possession have done little better, assuming that one can find any written accounts at all, which is rare. For those interested in the possession phenomenon, there is a scarcity of material to begin with. Also, possession experiences vary among African diaspora faiths at a voodoo fete, the loa are called one by one, both verbally by the congregation and the haungan and mambo, and rhythmically by the drummers who drum specific secret rhythms designed to call each loa in particular. Sometimes a loa will show up and ride someone. 
some, and sometimes they won't. Since these rights tend to be a fast roll call of LOA, the possessions tend to be very short, sometimes less than a minute, sometimes a few minutes, but it is unusual for them to go on for a particularly long time. The Orisha spirits, on the other hand, tend to like to stick around a while. Individual groups may vary, but in most Santeria, uh, Ken, Kendomble, and Umbanda groups, if an Orisha shows up, they may stay for uh, a minute or for an hour. There's usually more emphasis in traditional forms of these groups on having horses already on hand who are primed and ready to open to certain specific Orishas rather than letting possession happen randomly in the audience. Some modern non-traditional groups, of course, don't mind having an audience uh, free-for-all, but they are in the minority. In Ken Dombre and Umbanda, possessions can go on for up to a couple hours, usually one at a time. While there are bimbis, where several people are possessed at once, it is usually restricted to just a few, depending on who is especially wanted or whose feast day it is. Divinator, divinatory possessions, usually less public rights with only the horse, a small team of handlers and assistants, and a few currents are especially likely to go on for quite a while. Neo-pagan planned possessions in former days, generally drawing down the moon sorts of things, that just got deeper than expected have tended to be more sedate. This seems to be partially about the sedatedness of the ritual culture, which has tended to be crowded into a small living room rather than a big dance around the bonfire. However, it, it also seems to be about the nature and wishes of the European deities themselves, who have sometimes come through expecting a certain sort of ritual presentation. While this has often been difficult for the unprepared groups who inadvertently hosted them, it has also given us some useful information as to how it was done in ancient and pre-literary times, and how it should be done now. As things progress with this newly rediscovered religious activity, we hope to learn still more. One thing that definitely creates commonality among possession experiences in all these varied communities is the self-related experience of the horses themselves. The words used to describe ritual trance possession states are similar, regardless of the origin of the spirit involved. Sensory input seems to move farther away. There is a sense of receding from one's own body and senses, then a sense of the spirit arriving in a rush of color, image, and pure feeling much larger than oneself. Afterward, there is usually a sense of exhaustion, emptiness, and sometimes confusion. There is also permeating the entire experience from beginning to end, a palpable sense of awe. All right, before we go into some of the personal gnosis, let's go ahead, go ahead and hear a word from our sponsor. All right, everyone, we are back. So what I'm going to do is read a lot of this personal gnosis from various um, authors, and then I'm going to kind of give my own take on a lot of what we've been discussing here. So... This is the uh, the first piece of personal gnosis, and this is by uh, Galina Kraskova, heathen spirit worker. It starts with me. It starts with me feeling the deity rising up be behind me, 
and then I'm informed that they want uh, they want to use my body. I relax my mental and emotional barriers, open myself specifically and only to that god or goddess. I usually feel them moving into me from behind, sort of enveloping me and entering the sphere of my consciousness and the cloak of my flesh from the head slash neck area. Then they flow into me and I am pushed back to whatever degree the deity in question wants. I have certain warning signs that I am about to be taken. I will feel and hear buzzing around my head. My vision may start to gray and I will feel myself become disconnected from the physical world. As the deities in question begin to seat themselves, I may become nonverbal or my speech may grow disjointed. Eventually, I stop completely and then they are in charge. Coming out of it can feel disorienting. My vision is usually odd, sometimes over bright, sometimes fuzzy double vision. It depends on the deity and the length of possession. I will usually feel a cool lightness Physically, as though a heavy burden I have been carrying on my shoulders has been cast off. At the same time, sometimes there's a feeling of loss within. Or conversely, an extremely strong sense of enduring connection to the god or goddess in question. I may have trouble walking, as the disorientation often includes a lack of balance. Speech may be disjointed, just as prior to a possession, and I may be out of touch with my body. I may have some something of an emotional high for some time after. Disorientation, sensitivity to noise, fits of giggling, bursts of energy and vitality, all of which eventually plummets to exhaustion and a dire need to sleep. Alright, once again, that's by Galina Kraskova, Heathen Spirit Worker. Let's read another piece. This passage is shorter. This is by Odin's Medi, Eclectic Norse slash Umbanda spirit medium. Mm, wow. Odin's Mary, Eclectic Norse and Umbanda spirit medium. That's a very interesting combination. It kind of reminds me of myself in a way. Um, so when I am waiting, I may feel twitchy and irritable. When the time comes, I start singing with the rest and can in fact sing myself into trance. I may start to feel detached and woozy. Sometimes my head jerks, then comes the rush, and sometimes sometimes a surge of energy that is released by stamping or laughter. At that point, the deity comes in, body language changes, and she slash he signals to others by putting on the regalia. I am in the backseat somewhere, and the deity has access to my knowledge as well as his or her own. At the time, I think I will remember everything and that I could could exercise control, except that the me thinking is not the usual one. At the debriefing afterward, I often find that there are major holes in my memory of the events. Once again, this is by Odin's Medi, O-D-I-N-S-M-E-R-I, comma, eclectic Norse, slash Umbanda spirit medium. Let's go to another piece of uh, gnosis here. This is by, uh, I just want to, so like the, the author is usually listed at the end, but I like to list the author at the beginning as well so that you kind of hear who it was twice because I think that a lot of these uh, pieces of personal gnosis are very important. So um, this piece is by Silence Maestas. So just silence and then space, M-A-E-S-T-A-S. 
comma, pagan spirit worker. So, assuming I have forewarning of more than a few seconds, I begin by disassociating with my body. I let my consciousness float and begin to, begin to disconnect. When the deity is ready, I can feel an, an enormous pressure behind me or all around me. Their presence is always unmistakable. If I don't immediately relax and allow my barrier down, the pressure becomes very uncomfortable very quickly. The effect is rather like a sealed glass container that is dragged toward the bottom of the ocean. Pretty soon, the greater, the greater pressure shatters the container. I have never reached the shattering point. I just give in to the experience. I know the deity is moving in because suddenly I feel like I'm eight feet tall. The shift is how the body feels. The shift in how the body feels is very marked. I feel physically different, maybe taller or with unfamiliar body parts. As I let them settle, I may open my eyes and I'm always... Surprise that I'm not staring down from a great height because my body is telling me that I am. I literally feel greater than life. After the initial rush, the deity begins to settle and I let my awareness relax in the back seat. Sometimes the deity shoves me farther back if they don't think I'm removed enough. Uh, I'm not a particularly gifted horse. So sometimes this can result in a short struggle between us while it's discovered exactly how far away I am able to go. I am generally allowed some awareness, but I recall little or no conversation or action. I am aware of it on some level, though it's without any identification. I don't feel I take part in the events at all. I get no pleasure from the food or drink consumed, and my physical needs may or may not be taken into consideration. It isn't until after the deity leaves that I begin to order what I have witnessed. But the memories are very sketchy, if I have any at all. And they feel completely irrelevant. They are actions of a stranger. So my brain sees no reason to keep them on file. This is by Silence Maestas, Pagan Spirit Worker. Let's go to the next one. This one's very short. This is by Fireheart Tashlin, Pagan Spirit Worker. Fireheart space T-A-S-H-L-I-N comma Pagan Spirit Worker. I have done a good bit of guided trance work traveling down into my head. And that's where the images I use come from. The first thing that I do is to take a step back into myself. It's like stepping back from the controls of a big robot. I see my body as the robot, and I'm stepping back from the control panel. Next, I step back and down even further, and open the door to let the god or spirit in. And while staying back, I let them take control. At that point, they have the body, and can choose to let me watch the interaction or not. Fireheart Tashlin, Pagan Spirit Worker. The next one, still another short one. This is by Winter Song Tashlin, Pagan Spirit Worker. We got another Tashlin, except this is Winter Song Tashlin. Often the first thing I do is communicate with whoever is going to ride me. I'm going to be to be coming in now. I close my eyes and try to will myself to let go of my body. It's like trying to force yourself to fall asleep. 
Often for me, there's the beginning of a falling sensation, or like submerging myself underwater. Then I have the feeling of pressure, like something pressing on or through the back of my head, and the pressure forces me further away. If I'm going to be behind the safety glass, the next thing I'm aware of is a jolt. And at that point, I'm looking out through my eyes. But I'm not in willful control of my body. If I'm to be in the trunk, there's a similar but more dramatic feeling of being turned upside down and then nothing, no full awareness, until the deity has left or is leaving. Although I sometimes have the feeling that I was aware of something but I have no memory of that of what transpired. There's the feeling of a vacuum or emptiness or lessening of pressure that I rush back in to fill, and I'm aware of another jolt as I take control of my body, although I may be disassociated for a couple of hours afterward, depending on how heavy a ride it was. Winter Song Tashlin, Pagan Spirit Worker. All right, let's go ahead and read one more, and then we'll kind of I'll kind of give my my feedback uh, as far as possession goes. Um, so this next one is by, and there's a lot of pieces of personal gnosis here. This is just a gold mine of personal gnosis. The next one is by Lilith Three Feathers, comma, Olorisha, O L O R I. S-H-A. Lilith, three feathers. Three three feathers is one word. Comma, Orisha. Um, Olorisha. All right, so when Yamoya comes in, I lose all sense of time. To me, that would be defined as full possession. There's an intensity when it begins that happens because I'm initiated to her. I've been told my appearance changes when she enters. Since I normally walk with a cane... When Yamoya wants to dance, that can be lots of fun. Afterward, I think we might have danced for about 15 minutes, only to be told that much time has passed. With Lilith, I am aware of what I'm slash we're doing as it is happening. I stand aside and she has control. Afterward, I do not remember much. But if 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 someone talks about what happened... Shows me notes or plays recording, the memories return. During a missa, when a spirit enters, many times I stand straighter. I'm strong and I can walk easily. To some degree, whenever one of them enters, there is a compulsion to act in certain ways. There are uncontrollable physical reactions. For example, my body may shake or I might laugh. My voice and personality change. The shaking has only happened within Santeria while the personality and voice changes occur across the board. In spirit possession, I feel the knocking of the spirit wanting entrance. I can refuse or I can let it in. My spirit guides can block the entrance. When spirit possessed, I deliver messages or do the needed work, and then the spirit leaves because its job is done. During the possession, I walk differently. Differently, My inflection and phrasing changes. Although my appearance may shift, it is typically limited to stance, flexibility, and strength. However, that's not always the case. 
When a, when a particular spirit enters, my body shakes all over. When a spirit leaves, my body can literally shake them off. This is a piece of personal gnosis by uh, Lilith. Three feathers, Oloresha. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and end the reading from the book at this point. So, a lot of people think that possession... Well, it's 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 an old Christian superstition that possession is is bad. Now, there is demonic possession, that's a thing. And a lot of the time a demon will enter you because you are subconsciously reaching out to it. And if you would just try to deal with that demon yourself, try to communicate with it, a lot of the time you wouldn't need an exorcism because you'd be working out something within yourself. But in fairness, there are many demons that can enter you or spirits or even gods and goddesses that can enter you without you, without them desiring to do something beneficial to you or for you. All the examples that we read, I think, were all very beneficial examples of possession. Um, I actually think that there's way more beneficial examples of possession than there are negative ones. People just don't know how to deal with it. Um, and if, you, if you're Christian, you immediately get an exorcism. You might insult a god, spirit, or goddess without even meaning to. They might have been trying to help you, but then you, uh, or maybe even a saint possess you. Um, they may be actually trying to help you, and then basically, just imagine. You're on the street. You're hungry. There's something wrong with you. You're sick. You're hungry. Somebody comes up to you with medicine and some chicken noodle soup and instead of taking that from them and you know eating the soup and drinking the medicine you call out to a nearby a nearby strong man and say hey this person's assaulting me help me and then that person comes and uh, fights with the person that's giving you that medicine or soup Sometimes that is the case with the beings that possess someone. You're calling out to a priest to boot them out of your body when they were just trying to help you. And a lot of the time, it's not even that they were necessarily in your body, but they were so much, they were so close to you that it felt like they were within you. You just could only perceive it within your body where in fact they were closer to your astral body. And that's why you perceived it within yourself. Um, but spirits and the loa, um, gods, goddesses, uh, possession takes many different forms. And the sad thing is the only possessions that I've experienced many years ago were negative ones. Um, I've experienced, uh, I guess you could say, spiritual experiences that were influenced by a god or a spirit. Um and they were wonderful. But as far as possession goes, I remember many times when I was a much worse person feeling like I was in the back seat, as a couple of those people said that in the passages we just read. And my ego was just controlling me. And there was there was a dark force within me a few times, at least a few times. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't think of it as that at the time, but I definitely was inhabited by some deep malevolence.
Um, and of course, you know, I went to certain institutions where there were spirits that had died there that really troubled me and tried to push me over the edge. But, you know, I, I think that, I think it's important to realize that nothing is cut and dry. Possession is not good or bad necessarily. Sometimes it's even neutral. Um, it's more about encountering yourself and trying to figure out why a being is trying to contact you. And a lot of the time, the, all, the only way they can talk, contact you is within yourself. And then that freaks people out because it's like, you know, what is this influence coming within me? Um, and then that's why you think that it's evil because it's something that you don't understand. Um, most people in the world think that something is evil or bad if they don't understand it. Because not understanding something is scary goes back to our caveman days of, oh, we don't know what this thing is. It's best just to stay away from it. Or it's best just to uh, kill it. Or it's best just to um, hide from it. Um, that influence still inflicts us now with things like possession. And, you know, in, in time, I believe that there will be forms of science that can understand exactly what's going on with these beings, where those beings come from, what the beings are, and how they exist, how they contact us within it's going to be a long time. It won't be in my lifetime, probably. Um, but I would take every spiritual experience that you heard and roll it around in your mind. Maybe even re-listen to this and ask yourself if you've experienced something like this or if you want to experience something like this. Maybe you want to reach out and maybe you want to, maybe you need to have a possession, something that unites you with a spirit or a god or goddess for a time to do the work in your life that needs to be done, spiritual work. Sometimes you might write something, sometimes you might divine something, sometimes you might resolve something. Um, and then other times you might really screw up your life because maybe that needs to happen or maybe that spirit wasn't a good spirit. Um, it, this, this area always interests me because there's no cut and dry answer as to if possession is good or bad. Possession, possession just is. It's like a, a spirit or a god or goddess existing within a space. Like you're walking in space right now. Is that good or bad? Neither one can really be applied to it. So um, this has been a reading from Drawing Down the Spirits by Kinaz Falan and Raven Caldera. Um, Kinaz Falan is spelled K-E-N-A-Z space F-I-L-A-N. And then Raven Caldera is spelled R-A-V-E-N space K-A-L-D-E-R-A. I'd highly recommend this book. It's very informative, and I'll probably read more from it in the future on this podcast. At any rate, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to contact me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Hunter period Salazar, H-U-N-T-E-R period S-A-L-A-Z-A-R. You can message me and you can even friend me. And if you do not know about my YouTube channel, I have a YouTube channel at Hunter Salazar. If you just type in Hunter Salazar on YouTube, you'll be, you'll be able to find my channel. It uh, covers spirituality and magic, just as this podcast does.
Um, and I've actually recently started providing the service of uh, magic, uh, magic and ritual consultation specific to people's needs. Um, I've been giving vague advice for a very long time, but I have become willing to, for just $10 for a 10 to 45 minute session, um, explain ritual implements, uh, advise the construction of a ritual for whatever need that you have, and help you work towards manifesting what you feel like you want to manifest in your life, and exactly how to do that. And once again, I have said this before, but I'll say it again, it's much better to learn how to do these things than it is for somebody else to do it for you, because I can do rituals for you. But if you know how to do these things, then you'll actually progress spiritually and you won't need to rely on anybody else. So I have been recently supplying that service. If that's something that you wish for just $10, uh, feel free to uh, message me on uh, Facebook Messenger and we'll get the ball rolling on that. At any rate, thank you very much for listening. I hope this was interesting and helpful to you. And I hope to hear from all of you in the future.